1: roll the two-time winner takes the lead from
2: Faulkner that's the way they finish the first lap hand out of the
1: and says... welcome to another episode of pit lane parlay it is indianapolis 500 speed week that means qualifying is coming up This weekend, Saturday, is the first day of qualifying. Sunday is last chance qualifying and Fast 9 qualifying. We've got a week full of practice. Well, as we are recording, practice one has just ended. And obviously, there is a full week of practice still ahead with Fast Friday coming up when you listen to this probably tomorrow. So we're just going to make some guesses and kind of talk through... What we've seen based on one day. But before we get there, we do have to recrap. Re- Ooh, boy. <laughs> boy, should I leave that in or should I edit that out?
0: I think we have to leave that in.
1: Okay. We're going to leave re-crap. that in. Crap. I am still very tired from driving back from my IMSO weekend at Mid Ohio. So a thousand miles of driving in three days is pretty rough. The Grand Prix. The GMR Grand Prix. Oh, my God. This is this is rough. Recap. Arenas VK with his first win of the year. Roman Grosjean with his first career pole in IndyCar and first career podium finishing second. Polo third. Newgarden fourth. Ray Hall fifth. Obviously, VK's first career win, which is pretty amazing considering we thought Ed Carpenter would be the worst team on the grid this year. And. I think a win Puts them out of that conversation, no?
0: Yeah, I mean they really slapped Floyd back into irrelevance. And Connor Daly
1: qualified well. I can't remember where he finished right now. He lost. So yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't really
0: that wasn't his fault. But yeah, they're really doing a good job of slapping Floyd and Carlin back to irrelevance and saying, you know, we're not in this cellar with you guys anymore because this is honestly one of the only times since new gardens left that they've looked really good. And, you know, Carpenters had a couple individual runs of success at the 500, but as a team, they've never really looked all together. And even a couple of times this year, VK has been good and daily hasn't, uh, but they both qualified really close to each other. And daily uh, we'll talk about his incident in a second, but uh, yeah, good for Renus. kind of chuckled when he said, finally, over the radio, like, finally, we won. It's like, dude, it's your second year and you're 20. Like, <laughs> There's plenty of time, but still he, happy for him. He's really, really talented. And hopefully this is the start of a long career with IndyCar.
1: I remember a couple of years ago covering a St. Pete weekend, opening weekend. And Renus I mean, he finished on the podium, but he didn't win. And he was so angry after the race. So when I heard finally, it kinda like brought me back to that moment of this dude, despite being, you know, twenty, twenty-one years old, is super intense and looks like this could be the start of a a solid year for him, especially after his preseason crash. He's he's had a relatively solid year so far. So obviously the the big headline this weekend was also Roman Grosjean getting pole, which was correctly predicted hours before qualifying by PLP GP Xbox member Ray uh I big sprigs whatever it is I I don't feel like pulling up Twitter right now to look at it but
0: 3 for 3 for so so far this episode keep it up
1: Yeah you know talking is overrated when you do a podcast they say but Grojan, I mean amazing amazing effort and you know, just a solid race, unfortunately, just kind of got squeezed by and got squeezed, just kind of gotten in a, in a tough spot that allowed VK to get by because got hung up behind Jimmy Johnson, of all people. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I obviously it would have been cool to see him win, but uh, to have a, that outstanding of a weekend was pretty great. Everybody agrees, except a certain Canadian journalist who said that Grosjean doing well in IndyCar is terrible for IndyCar. I did not read the article because I do not subscribe to whatever the Canadian newspaper is up there. But if you don't know who I'm talking about, was that Norris? Yes.
0: Of course it was Norris.
1: Yeah. I, I, I am all for paying for content, whether it be editorial or podcast content, but I have no interest in paying to subscribe to his
0: mumbling. Hang on. There's a window three feet away from me. I just want to see if there's a cloud I can yell at real quick. Just give me one second.
1: Okay, Norris.
0: <sighs> nope. Got nothing. I would. I would because that damn cloud is just ruining my day. You know, and I had, I kind of did what I used to do back in the day on Twitter, which is like click on a viral tweet go through some of the replies and share my feedback with someone who maybe is slagging off IndyCar. And so there was a couple people people was like, Oh, how hard can IndyCar be? If the guy goes in and is, you know, good immediately and gets pulled. They must all suck. It's like, well, no, they don't, they don't suck. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Maybe Roman's just really good. Maybe he's just an amazing yeah. driver. And all he had to show for, for the last four years was getting stuck in Steinerville and being, <laughs> you know, third to, third to worst team each season because his car sucked. And I mean, even Grosjean said it himself, you know, he, you, and I'm, I think I've had a tough off season with IndyCar, but I'm, I'm starting to get back to the, you know, this is amazing. I love IndyCar kind of sense that I've had all these years because it, it's just a different animal over here. And you can see in the way Grosjean talks, you can see in the way he's acting. I mean, he's just so happy over here and he doesn't seem like, you know, miserable anymore from just showing up in the weekend, getting the car home in one piece and going home. You know, he's happy that he gets to push every lap. He's happy that there's no sort of, you know, you need to conserve the tires, you need to conserve the fuel, you need to conserve the battery. There's none of that over here to an extent, depending on what strategy you do in a race, you might need to conserve some fuel, but you know what I mean. But he just seems so much happier over here. And I, I hope it is a good sign or a good message to F1. I mean, it's not he's not the first guy to come over here and express how happy IndyCar is making him. He's not gonna be the last either. We're gonna see more Formula One drivers come over here eventually. But I think it is a great sign for the sport. And I hope I hope that IndyCar can get to one fifth of the level of Formula One someday as far as just attention and you know revenue and things like that. Because I do genuinely think that it can rival Formula One on a global scale if the right tools and the right resources are implemented because the racing here and the way the drivers handle this series here is just second to none, really,
1: yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself i mean i'm I'm still a little sad to be excluded from from covering the five hundred stuff in person, but you know, it's covid, so I have to have to make I have to make the best of it this year, and I have to keep reminding myself of that and thank you to a handful of fans who are there who have been sending me stuff that's been going on. Cody Bray and Shannon McBride. Shout out to both of you guys for some info today and pictures and whatnot. So we will power through this and give you the coverage no matter where I happen to be located. So the really the only kind of major incident was was early on. Simon Pagino and Connor Daly had some contacts. So Matt, what was your take on, on the incident?
0: I've watched this several times. My opinion has slightly changed since Saturday. I think it was more of a byproduct of turn one lap one, and especially IMS has I feel like an instant every year there. If you look at the replay, Pagano gets a great jump, and for some reason Ed Jones just makes a beeline for the inside, giving Pagano this giant hole to take. And so I think it's Herta, daily Pagano, and Jones that go into the first turn four wide, and so technically, according to the book of racing, Pagino's at fault because he was the last man in. However, I still feel like Ed Jones is kind of putting himself in no man's land on the the inside of turn one. And, you know, if he decides to break at the same distance as Pagino, there's two cars going into one space and it's not going to work. So therefore, the guys in the outside are probably going to get hosed. And that's exactly what happened with Connor. I'm not quite sure how his car died. That, I mean it was a simple incident that he could have just rejoined the track and kept going P last, but he still could have kept going. So the fact that his car died, that was kind of perplexing and obviously very unfortunate. Cause then his whole race is ruined based on one tap. So that kind of sucked, but um, got some good airtime for that amazing livery.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if, if the tap caused some damage that we didn't notice or if it was just coincidental and something else happened later in the race. But yes, it was definitely unfortunate. I kind of feel for him, but I, I think mainly I, I would say it's, it's definitely racing incident. I don't think there was any penalties called, so I'm fine with it. Ed Jones kind of being where he was did, did not help. I don't know if it was necessarily his fault, but it definitely didn't make the situation any better. I'll I, that, that is for sure. Speaking of no luck, Jack Harvey, man, the dude can't catch a break. And I don't know. I I don't even listen. The team forgot to put didn't secure a lug nut on his tire falls off. OK, not so great. Then he comes back around and the tire is cut. So he's limping around even more. What is what? what does Jack Harvey have to what superstition does Jack Harvey have to do just to get a little bit of luck? Because this is the in his second full-time season. Now at the fourth or fifth time I can think of that he's clearly lost a chance at a podium because dumb luck and you don't blame the team for the lug, nut lug nut being, you know, not completely secured. you know, they do it in pretty much robotic motion at this point, And unfortunately the, the gun didn't work completely, and it it is it is what it is. But man, that guy has no luck.
0: Tough for people like me who had him in fantasy IndyCar, and a lot of other Same. people because he was. It's definitely one of his best tracks. So I don't know. I would be curious to know if the failure to get the lug nut on had anything to do with the tire deflating. I don't know if like setting it down off the jacks. Did that, or if it's just something he picked up from exiting pit lane just on a fluke? But yeah, I mean, you look at where he was running. You know, he was competing with VK and Pelo. That I mean, he could have easily snagged or second or a win. Could have yeah. easily been a win. So, and without his uh, failure there and his failure at Texas too, I mean, you're talking about a guy who could be like fourth or fifth in the championship right now. So. That's where you know I love doing the driver ratings thing, just because hopefully fans don't look at him in P14 in the championship and be like, well, this guy sucks. Like, what is he doing? He's 14th in the championship because you know you get you get same people who are like, oh my god, Grosjean's getting pole in IndyCar and in his fifth for whatever third start. the series must be trashed. Like, well, no, because you know he did decent at Barber and didn't have the best St. Pete, so it's not like he's been destroying everybody over here, but. Yeah, I mean, those are the same people are gonna be like, "Oh, Harvey sucks. It's terrible. Fire him," because yeah. it's just not the case. So feel for him. Hopefully, they have a good month. Of May I think he's like twenty. well, they had an engine change this morning, <laughs> so so they got their uh, got their good start to the month there with the engine change this morning because they needed to. And then um, I think he was like twenty ninth or somewhere towards there and thirtieth. thirtieth. Here's hoping it gets better from here because that's uh obviously
1: this is just one one day so it's not too much to read i'm sorry he was 29th in combined when you when you combine oh he's 29th in second practice he was 30th when you combine both practices i'm getting my my time sheets confused thank you to indycar for sending these over so we can do everything we need to do from our home offices but The mystery of the GMR Grand Prix weekend, which didn't come out until, I mean, hours before practice Friday morning, was that Max Chilton and Carlin would not be entering the race, and I don't remember the exact tweet at this point, but it was very cryptic and oh, travel issues and something like that, and does this... I what do you, what did you think of this or what do you think of this
0: There's got to be more to the story and I think you've talked to me about this off the record so it's not much we can share about that but my initial reaction before we had talked about it was pretty fishy my my first tweet was how could they not find a substitute in time there this is Indianapolis there's, there's drivers with helmets in hands everywhere I mean even Oriol Servià would Keep behind the wheel if you asked him to. So, the fact that they didn't get a sub to me immediately reeked of fishiness. And then it was pointed out to me by someone on Twitter, you know, like, oh, they had just had an expensive crash in Texas. You know, Connor Daly flipping the car, and I don't know if that was or was not their Indy 500 car, but they maybe had to like remassage that, and they didn't want to maybe use the road course car and then have to flip it for the Indy 500 car within a couple of days before Tuesday. And I I could kind of see that. But then we show up today and Gallagher is now missing from all sponsor logos on the car that Chilton ran today. So Chilton's back now. I ran today in test, but he uh, doesn't have Gallagher on the car anymore. So Gallagher is the hedge fund financial securities, whatever. I can't, I couldn't tell you what they do, but they're insurance, maybe insurance, something something fancy that someone with a better wealth of knowledge could explain. But basically daddy Chilton was the CEO or something very important at Gallagher stepped down a year or two ago, but Gallagher still remained within the Carlin operation. And now they, I don't know if they're just gone forever or if it's just for, they just decided to pull out before the biggest race of the year. I don't know between all that. And what Mike and I talked about today. I think there's way more to the story here and I hope this I mean, hope they make the field because I don't want to see Carlin go away. And I feel like there's kind of a dark cloud over them at the moment.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of fishiness going on there and unfortunately not allowed to say more than that, but it is very interesting when you put two and two together that he misses the race because of travel. And then all of a sudden Gallagher is off the car and Chilton is back in the car. If, if there was a travel issue, why, why didn't the team just run a servia? or, you know, maybe was that Gallagher angry at Carlin because of something there's, there's a lot going on here that I'm sure will be unearthed in time. And when, when I'm allowed to talk about it, I will, but, it's very, very interesting, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And I think with that, we will dive into Speed Week, a.k.a. Practice and Indy 500. Matt, your driver of the day.
0: I am going to say Roman Grosjean. I thought he, well, first of all, I hope he didn't rewatch watch the broadcast because they said his name about 15 different times that whole race. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. But uh, Roman Grosjean, the French way of saying it, he, did, uh, he didn't He did put a wheel wrong all day. Had some tough time of lap traffic. I don't know if you had any opinions about that. I um, think all is fair is kind of my opinion, especially on road courses. Ovals, I'm a little more, you know, get the guy out of the way. But road courses, you know, I kind of like an all is fair kind of guy. But, uh, you know, he was lights out on the Reds. Did a fantastic job. I think the one stint on the Blacks is the reason that he lost that race. He just didn't seem as comfortable on them. But third race, pole, podium with the small team, Dale Coyne. I mean, it's hard not to be happy for the guy. And he just genuinely seems like he's loving life. So it's really, really good success story. And I hope it continues because uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch so far.
1: I agree. I will go with winner... Renus VK made a really nice pass there. Just had an all around really good weekend. Good to see him uh, have a, a good result. Your disappointment of the day or weekend.
0: So it's going to be Juan Pablo Montoya, who I think I was reading that it was his first time completing a lap at the track with McLaren, even though he started 05 was Tiregate and 06 he crashed in the first turn, which was actually his last career Formula One race. But so he drove for McLaren this weekend. But man, I was not expecting him. I I wasn't expecting him to be, you know, lights out top ten. But I definitely wasn't expecting him to be racing with like Kellett and Kimball and Foyt back there. I, I was pretty, pretty disappointed in that. So I think the the weekend served more of a purpose of getting everybody acclimated on the same page, but at the same time, I was still expecting a little bit better from him, from him in that entry.
1: I definitely agree. I am going to go with James Hinchcliffe.
0: Just, just
1: didn't really have, just didn't really seem to have pace all weekend. I don't, I don't know what it is, but hopefully Indy is able to kind of get him some, some positive momentum and, and headed in the right direction. Predictions recap. Your good prediction, Will Power finished 11th. Which is okay. Not good. Not great for Will. No, not good for I had, me. I had Graham Rahal finished fifth. So top five. Not too bad. I'll take it. Not too
0: bad given that he was 15 seconds behind everybody when the restart happened. I don't know. That is some wizardry right there. If Scott Dixon did that, everybody would be fawning all over him. So I think Graham Rahal deserves mega props for that. That is insane.
1: Yeah. Good, good pat on the back for me there. Uh, your bad prediction, Scott McLaughlin finished P8. So, no, not really. My bad prediction, Felix Rosenquist, P17. All right. Pretty good, pretty <laughs> good on me. <laughs> and Dark Horse Top 10, you were much closer than I was. You had RHR, who finished 12th. I had the aforementioned Montoya, who finished twenty first. So we can move on quickly from that one and just skip over it. It is now time to talk about the Indy Five Hundred. And real quick, before we talk about what to expect, just a a kind of a quick recap on how qualifying works. So Saturday, everybody gets to qualify. You positions essentially ten to thirty three will be kind of, I don't want to say set, but will be kind of 30, 10 to 30. Sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at last year's uh, 10 to 30 will be set. 33 through 35 will not be set. And obviously the fast nine won't be set. You can obviously pull your qualifying time and get in the left lane, or you can go in the right lane and keep your time and, and try a, a, another attempt. I'm pretty sure. You're, well, you're guaranteed one attempt and then you can make multiple attempts pending how much time is left. Then Sunday, the I believe last chance qualifying is before Fast 9, I I, I think.
0: I think, so, yeah, it's something stupid like that. It should be the other way around, but that's neither here nor there, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So the cars 33 through 35 will... You know if they have more than I can't find it right now if they are they down to just one attempt like two years ago, or is it open ended
0: they changed it I thought um yeah. so thirty one through thirty five will have their own little shootout. I think everybody's guaranteed one and then isn't it just like for the remaining forty five minutes or something they can just uh they can attempt to requalify'cause then that you know if you go first and you just have one bad turn you're out of the show and it's like well dang it yeah and
1: i'm sorry i kept saying 33 to 35 i meant 31 to 35 i am wholeheartedly struggling with talking today so just ignore me on that one i am looking at qualifying procedures on yeah it does not say it does not say and i i'm i am positive they changed it you are you are 100 right there Qualifying rules, let's see. Nope, this is qualifying rules from 2019. So we are going to assume that they get more than one attempt because I'm pretty sure that rule was changed after after 2019. But nonetheless, that's how it works. We have 35 confirmed, which means two guys won't make the show. Obviously, when we're recording this, which is Tuesday evening, we are only done one practice, and it is very hard to get a read on who is safe, who is not safe. I shouldn't say very hard, but it is, it is hard to make assumptions after one day of practice, Matt. And I know you and friend of the show, David lighting. were going back and forth about that very subject earlier today.
0: Are you setting me up to tee off on lighting for two episodes in a row? Yes. Well, I am a firm proponent that you cannot take too much away from practice, especially for the Indy 500. Cause these times we see today might be indicative of how good someone's race pace may or may not be, but this whole like toe, no toe nonsense, you know, it's just, we're not going to really know how someone's doing until about lap 30, a week from Sunday. Um, I think in between now and then looking at practice times to try to extrapolate who's going to do good in the race, I think is a waste of time. I think you can definitely maybe get a feel for qualifying just a tad bit, but again, you know Sage Karam running a two twenty five, which is spectacular and great job to them and the team because they've no, been they've been allergic to the top ten the last two years. <laughs> they uh, they look really good out of the gate, so that's promising start. But we don't know if that is going to translate into a good qualifying effort versus, you know, Stefan Wilson, I think was the uh, two seventeen or two eighteen, somewhere near the bottom of the score scoreboard. We don't know if he's going full out or maybe he didn't have too many, you know, competent runs in traffic where he got to have a good toe lap and maybe he, you know, that two eighteen was by himself. You know, you just you just don't know. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I think after everybody gets one run in on Saturday, that's when we'll have a good indication of who's, who's in danger. And you have to yeah. kind of check what drivers say in the interviews after, you know, if they're, oh, yeah, I just messed up. Just need to redo it or, oh, <laughs> we need to throw the sink at this guy. So um, don't read too much into practice is what I'm saying.
2: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
0: That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500, on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.
1: No, I I will say Sage being fourth at, at 225 just under just a shade under 226 is good for that team and for their confidence. And I think that's the biggest thing you can gain from, you know, the first two days of practice when you're just getting out there is to be confident in the car and the abilities, of the car and the abilities of the team really helps a driver going into the weekend. So, and and you could tell when Sage was interviewed on on TV afterwards, that was a different Sage than than I've talked to or seen in the last two Indy five hundreds by far. So really good to see. And and likewise on the other end of the spectrum, Stefan Wilson was having some problems with kind of the airflow with the, the hose on the back of his helmet and, and how to kind of set it up right because he's, you know, six foot nine in that in that car. So not much to worry about because I don't think he ran too much outside of the uh, orientation program that he had to take part in, in the middle of the day. He did complete it, but he only had 25 laps total on the day, which leaves me to believe he didn't do much other than that. So again, on the other end of the spectrum, can't, can't read too much into that. Doesn't mean Sage is going to be fourth quickest in qualifying, but good to see guys like, that and ed jones and marcus erickson kind of in the top 10 even simona de silvestro after one practice in 13th year you know it's it's just about getting a feel for the car and the more confident you are the more you can try things as the week goes on and and figure out what works and what doesn't work versus being you know where sage has been the last couple years always down at the bottom just throwing the kitchen sink at the car and, and hoping things would work out
0: well and so so far you know we got the times is the is there any one off entries other than maybe sage that you're looking at right now and going i like it
1: I'll go with Simona she's thirteenth to twenty four and it, it 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 looked like r c enerson was was very solid as well unfortunately he had a part failure and had grease Explode all over the back of his car. I think it was his half shaft or a part in the half shaft that 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 failed. You could see it while he was, and so he still hasn't done his finished his rookie orientation program, which is concerning. So, I'm I'll I'll pick Simona out of the one offs, but real quick before you interject your your thoughts, if you remember from 2019. I think it was J.R. Hildebrand wasn't able to finish his orientation program in time before the afternoon session resumed on the first day. And he was not allowed to finish his orientation program until the second day of practice completely ended. So 6 o'clock on Wednesday was when they were allowed back out on track. So you essentially lose a whole nother day, which could really hurt. R.C. Enerson, if that's the case. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this, we'll have already known if that's the case or not, and, and hopefully I can confirm it later tonight, but that was the case a couple years ago.
0: See, I don't know why they just don't... I don't know what time practice starts, but why don't I just let him go out an hour early before practice starts and just run? I'll, I'll
1: practice a, is 12 to 6 tomorrow.
0: See, like I don't understand why I can't just let him go out at 11. Don't disrupt anybody's day. and I don't know. Maybe that's just. I,
1: I do agree with you. I, I completely agree. Uh,
0: back to Simona. So I was kind of questioning on this today. I had released a couple of drivers who I think are under the most pressure to win this year, just based on mainly careers. And so number one on my list is Joseph Newgarden, just because, you know, obviously it's McLaughlin's first attempt, but he's had a bunch of teammates to that have won that race. Uh, power and Pagino recently, and he hasn't. And it's always been a track where he's done well. I think uh, 16 was his best finish in P3. He had a great car that day. I feel like he's under a lot of pressure there, but I also threw Simona into the under pressure category, mainly because she has had several attempts. Uh, Some would argue that this is her first legitimate attempt with good equipment because while she was with KV in 13 when Kanan won, there's a lot of information that's come about that 2013 season that maybe she wasn't getting equal treatment or you know, a lot of the yeah. resources were in Canan's car, et cetera, et cetera. 2015, she was with Andretti, but that was the year that you know Chevy was with Ganassi and Penske, and they just straight up dominated everybody that year. It wasn't even close. Um, so yeah, I mean, now you look at her car, it's basically a team Penske car with different decals on it. And so she's got a lot of data to pull from. I mean, she was faster than Newgarden today. So I threw her into that category of maybe there's a lot of pressure on her now because this may, I mean, I don't know what this Pareto Autosport partnership is going to look like going forward. I don't know if this is going to be a one-off. I don't know if this is going to happen every year. Obviously, they're getting a lot of great press behind what they're doing because it's a great initiative that they're you know, striving for with their effort. And Simona is a very capable driver. So I threw her into this, has a lot of pressure on her just because this is a really good opportunity for her. Would you agree that there is pressure on her or would you fall into the crowd where since she hasn't raced an IndyCar race since 2015, I mean, this is kind of just a get the car home in one piece type of deal.
1: I think there is definitely pressure on her. There's going to be a lot of eyes on the, you know, female led team. And, and while it might not be the pressure of a Will Power, or Alex Rossi or et cetera, there, there, you know, you want to perform, you want to do well. If, if she finishes 32nd or it doesn't make the field, does red autosport go, well, there's some, young up-and-coming female racing talent that maybe we want to work with going forward so i i'm not saying there's pressure on her to win but i think there is pressure on her to do to do to do well and impress and and definitely not only make the field but you know not not be in that bottom five come sunday morning this week
0: yeah i agree and yeah this would be a statement for her Don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I don't know what her plans are for next year, but this could easily catapult her into the discussion of coming back part-time, full-time with somebody. Trying to look at the rest of the grid here to see if there's any other things I can pull out. I mean, so here's one, Hunter AP2, and then you have to go all the way down to 16th for his next teammate at Andretti Autosport. Just making sure I didn't miss Elio. No, I didn't. So Hinch 16th. Marco 19th Colton 20th Elio 21st Rossi 22nd and Wilson 34th out of 34 and Harvey 29th are we sticking with this too early to panic if you're in Jody Autosport
1: yes okay definitely definitely too early to panic we don't I also don't know what practice programs they were all running today Who who knows what their their strategies were usually you see the Andretti Uh, eight cars kind of form a a a train and and draft off each other and it didn't really seem to happen as as the afternoon session unfolded today so it i i'm more concerned about you know race pace and and qualifying pace versus day one practice and who got a toe and and whatnot so i'm not necessarily all that concerned about it it was Slightly comical to see to hear Marco complain on the radio that, like usual, you can't pass out there. And there were other drivers on the radio who seemed much more comfortable in the car making moves this year versus previous years. But again, it's just one day, one day when we're recording this. So I'm yeah. not, I'm trying not to read into anything.
0: It's kind of comical because uh, I saw several drivers cut off Dalton Kellett today. I don't know if they just, like, don't want to give him the time of day or it's kind of one of those, you know, get a move on kind of things. They Like, they're cutting him off in the short shoot. So Montoya do one in turn four. It's like, like oh, okay. This is how. We're...
1: There was no respect given to Dalton Kellett. There yeah. was no, you know, guys give each other room in, in situations like that on the first day of practice. And then they saw Dalton Kellett and they were like, eh, never mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Mike and I make inferences about Dalton Kellett and just like, this guy's slow, et cetera, et cetera. You don't think. The guys who race with him also don't see that. So I definitely think there might be something to read into there. And then, one other one before maybe we can go into wrap up some final thoughts about this is uh, on the flip side, Team Penske, Powers first, Pagino sixth, Simona 13th, New Garden 14th. And then, obviously, McLaughlin's got a little bit of a learning curve. He's down at 25th. They've had a rough couple of I don't know they had a rough 2020 I want to say last couple of years but 2020 was definitely not their friend at the Indy 500 is it too early to start focusing entirely on qualifying because of their practice success because it, it yes. does have good signs early but is it kind of the same with Andretti Osports, too early to tell
1: yeah it's I mean listen it's kind of like I said about Sage it's, it's good for the for the old confidence boost and and you get a get get a very good baseline going forward and and McLaughlin will be able to lean on his teammates and Rick Mears and all of the experience behind Penske to keep improving so it's still too early I think it's you know you might see some practice runs start Thursday but I think you know tomorrow Wednesday will be a lot of race runs and and I'd be very curious tomorrow to see who pulls out some, you know, maybe longer stints and see what their 10, 15, 20 lap pace is, because that gave us a good indication last year of who would be in contention at the end of the race. So, because uh, that was something I started really focusing on when it, I think last year or the year before. Anyway, yeah, still, still definitely too early, but good, good for them. Because last year, even through most of the practices, I, I, roughly remember that they, were, they weren't they were high like this in, in any of the practices.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So with this limited knowledge that we have, let's go into some predictions here.
1: Oh, boy. Okay.
0: So just a reminder, everybody, so Wednesday through Friday practice and then Saturday is, in my opinion, the more fun of the days. I mean, Sunday is more intense, but I think Friday as a whole is just really fun because you get to see everybody run and... It's a really good time for qualifying and whatnot. And the weather looks above average for Saturday, I believe. So this format. Saturday I, and Sunday. Yeah, I think the this format works really well if it doesn't rain. So I know we've had a rain interrupted a couple times, but so you know, they're way too early. So we're talking after Sunday's all said and done. Who are your three front row starters?
1: Okay, and is this in specific order or just like the three that are up front? Well,
0: i just do your three.
1: Okay, let's go Dixon. Let's throw a curveball in here. Let's go Connor Daly. And let's go with Graham Hall.
0: Okay. Uh, well, I had Dixon for sure. I guess I can change yeah. my Hall pick so I don't come off this. <laughs> I'm going to say, you know, I think maybe Penske gets it right this year. So I'll go Power... And as a curveball, I'll say Erickson.
1: I was very close to, to picking Erickson. It's funny. All
0: right, who's your two bumps?
1: My two bumps. Max Shilton. See you next year, maybe. And let's, let's throw a curveball in there because Dalton Kellett did have a surprisingly decent qualifying effort last year. Let's go with... I really want to throw a good, like a real hot take in here. I I don't know who let. Let's um, maybe this isn't a super hot take, but let's say Santino Ferrucci.
0: Ouch. I picked him in my league. All right. I'm going to say I'll take the two obvious ones and just say Kellett and Enerson because I'm boring. (laughs) (laughs) Can I uh, rant about something not Indy 500 related that we have failed to bring up for two months that we talked about with Frenchie?
1: Yeah. One second. I just want to give a, I I don't know if I've ever praised Dalton Kellett, but his, the one good thing he did last year was his Indy 500 qualifying. So hopefully having a solid stable of teammates helps him secure a spot in the field. I'm not going to say he's going to do anything in the race, but I I think that is his saving grace as, as to why I am not picking him. Just if people are wondering, but go ahead and, and, uh, and rant away. I have no idea where you're going with this.
0: I said last week in the episode too, that Kimball would be a good measuring stick for the team at the Grand Prix. And Kimball finished last out of all three of them. Uh, Kellett finished a lap down, but Bordet also finished a lap down. So hmm. Maybe it could have been a Kimball thing or I still don't have a lot of faith in Kellett. That's not what I'm trying to say, but you know, he did pass the random test that I threw at him last week. So good for him. No, my rant was about uh, Gene Haas. We never got to rant about him on this episode. We, The story came out, and we had a really packed week, so we just decided to not talk about it. But this whole deal that before the Bahrain accident, he had agreed to let Grosjean go, but Grosjean had his eyes on IndyCar, and Gene had decided to field a... A full sponsorship worth of money towards Grosjean, so that he could come here and race and not have to worry about sponsorship or anything. He'd have like you know one year one year deal with somebody where he could pay for the ride and and whatnot. And then Bahrain happened with the terrible accident, and Jean backed out of the deal out of deference for Grosjean, saying that. You know, he doesn't want to see his family go through something like that again. And IndyCar is dangerous and the 500 is dangerous and whatnot. And I'm amazed that that didn't get more negative press. That is such a, I'm looking for a more appropriate word, such a garbage thing to do to, you know, kind of promise somebody something. And honestly, it's not up to Gene Haas to figure out what Roman wants to do or not wants to do for his career. And if you had some sort of deal and Grosjean still wants to go through with it despite his death defying accident you better honor your deal and if you don't it's really it just makes you look like a scumbag honestly so i don't know what the thought process there was you know backing out on that deal i'm really glad that didn't affect Grosjean, though because he was able to find something with deelcoin and Rickware racing to continue this you know career path for himself and you know now he has seven the time of his life but i mean Haas has done some weird things in the last year to make me dislike them and you know, this is up there for hiring Mazapin is just disgraceful, honestly. This this whole outfit, I just really want another American team to come by to cheer for because I am just kind of getting done with them. And like I said, this came out like two months ago and just I don't know, we just never got the timing right to rant about it. But with Grosjean's poll on saturday or friday or whatever it's kind of like a big old middle finger to gene haas and that whole outfit that should be taken to the woodshed because i'm just i'm just sick of it
1: and then they're stupid congratulations roman like
0: yeah like get over yourself all you did was hold him back for the last four years and and i just finished the 2012 and 2013 f1 seasons and he was a lot of fun to watch Highly unpredictable and a little erratic at times, <laughs> but a lot of fun. He was just a guy who could hustle the car and was just a, a hoot. Like he was just, especially 2012, that guy was just fast. And then, you know, 2014 came out with the new regulations and Lotus was bankrupt because they gave all their money to Raikkonen. And, and from there, his, his trajectory just went down like 2014, 2015. The car wasn't good. Haas started in 16. They actually had a pretty decent rookie season as a team. But then ever since the regulations changed in 17, they've been junk. And I was just like, ugh, I feel... It's almost like, you know, he survived the accident. Now he's an car, And I feel like, you know, finally for the first time in a while, he's on an upward trajectory. And I think it's just a, a great success story in the making. And I hope Gene Haas doesn't take any credit for it because he doesn't deserve any credit for it. No, Gene Haas
1: has proven to be quite the scumbag the last... with the last for the in the last year with everything you mentioned and I don't really have anything else to add to that because I agree to you and I'm bummed that we just couldn't find the time to fit this in the show before the IndyCar season started and I totally forgot about it until you mentioned it now I'm super fired up and annoyed and I mean it's just a lot of BS and I almost pressed the bleep button on my sound pad here to say what I want to say, but yeah, that was me. I'm not going. That was me three minutes ago. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, man, it's he should be embarrassed. He should be embarrassed that that came out and the fact that he pretty much said nothing until he said, "Oh, congrats on poll this weekend," or you know, the social media people who who really did that. It's just it's flat out embarrassing, and yeah, I have nothing else to say. But guys, on that note, back to happy thoughts. Plenty of practice this week, Fast Friday, qualifying all weekend. Tune in. We'll be posting as, as much as possible throughout the weekend, anything I see or hear. If you're if you're lucky to be at the track, feel free to tag us in anything picture-wise or or anything you see. We will sh- we, we will share as much as humanly possible enjoy everything we'll be back next week to talk about qualifying and make race predictions where i can once again likely be right because i had some good predictions this week and i just wanted to get your reaction see what you would you would say when i said that
0: i'll let you have it
1: yeah i'll I'll take this win while i can but guys enjoy a wonderful weekend of racing and we'll be back next week Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O C-O and let them know that we sent you there.